Opening the mic early because now you're singing out loud at the top of your lungs. <laughs> it's a shame. shame you theme don't song. Know how to man the ones and twos because <laughs> that'll never happen. And this is the producer Michelle podcast. It is uh, episode 13, and Justin started out by singing the bitch song, which is hilarious. I'm gonna have to take secret video. Yeah, good luck with that. I'm good. Well, you want to underestimate me? You better watch it, Mister. Somebody's feeling sassy before the weekend. <laughs> Happy Friday, everybody. Yeah. It is Friday, and I got a very special podcast today, and it's going to be all about dogs. Oh, boy. So if you don't like dogs, <laughs> get over it. it and just skip it, because I wanted because there's so many things that happened this week, and I just want to talk about all of it. And so it all has to do with dogs. And we'll talk a little bit about cats, <laughs> too. Because I'm not a cat hater, because I used to have a cat. The Producer Michelle podcast, fair and balanced. (laughs) Both sides of the domesticated party line. Okay, so this week there was a story in the news that hit me really hard because it uh, happened back in uh, March 2014. Bruno, the Anaheim police dog, uh, he was a uh, canine officer. He passed away this week, sadly, and he passed away as a result of injuries that he received back in March of 2014. Now, he and his handler, Officer R.J. Young, were out on a call where a guy started shooting at the police. The suspect was fleeing. I think he was something about probation, and he shot at cops, and he fled away from them. And they called SWAT in to try to find this guy, and... Officer Young and Bruno, his canine partner, and they had been partners for, I think, six or seven years, were called in to try to find this guy. And everybody, if you've ever seen um, canine officers, they're amazing. Like, what they do is amazing. They have no fear. They know exactly what they're supposed to do. So Bruno is out there trying to find this guy, and he gets up to a trash can where the guy happened to be hiding in the trash can, and he nudges the lid, and the guy shoots Right at Bruno. Goes right through his jaw and into his chest and about an inch from his heart. So police returned fire. The the suspect ended up getting killed. But um, Officer Young, obviously totally distraught because Bruno was shot and injured on the line of duty and, you know, could quite possibly die, rushes him to the animal hospital. Again, this is back in March 2014. And... He Bruno goes through the, at first they didn't know Bruno if he was going to survive because he, the injuries were bad. I mean, he, half of his jaw was kind of, you know, missing and uh the bullet was lodged so close to his heart. But he ended up they ended up saving him through surgery and after a couple of months of really intense um medical care, he was eventually he he was eventually released and he survived although he was going to have lifelong problems because of the kind of injuries that he sustained so he ended up being retired from the force and this is a dog like canine dogs are amazing he served i think six or seven years on the the force anaheim police department in the canine unit and he was responsible for more than three million dollars in narcotics seizures tons of felony apprehensions just like the one where he got shot where he goes off and he finds the guy and he actually was i think responsible for 
finding the suspect in the um, you guys remember uh, Angel uh, Angel's pitcher Nick Adenhart when he was killed in a drunk driving accident a couple of years ago, and they were pursuing a suspect in that case, and I think Bruno was the dog who found the guy. So he was responsible for a lot of stuff from the police department. And he was retired and was able to go and live with Officer Young and his family, his wife, Rachel. And he has two kids now. I think at the time he only had one one child. But so he's retired to his family, became the family dog. And they're really great dogs. Like, I've known a lot of cops who have, have been canine officers who have retired their, you know, partners and they go and live with the families and they're just really great dogs they're great watchdogs they're great with the family and all that stuff so he lived with the the family and of course you know he was going to have lifelong problems because of these injuries well early last week i think it was last uh, saturday the young family had gone to the dominican republic to a um for a wedding for a family friend and on the way back from this wedding they get a phone call that Bruno was being boarded at Yorba Animal Hospital, which is where he went through his surgeries and recovery. So there was a very close relationship. So while they were gone, he was being boarded at this facility. So he had just in case he had any medical issues, he was there and he had some kind of gastrointestinal problem and had to go through surgery on Saturday night. And this is while they're gone. This is while they're gone. So he comes out of the surgery and things aren't going that well. And they're getting bad enough to the point where as the family is coming home from the Dominican Republic, Officer Young gets a phone call and basically says, get here as fast as you can because Bruno's going downhill. And if you are a pet owner, you probably have gotten that call at some point with regards to something, whether your animal's older and is at the vet or passed away or there's some kind of emergency. You get that phone call at some time in your life if you are an animal owner. So they're trying to rush back from the Dominican Republic, and they are, I think they were supposed to fly into Phoenix, but their flight to Phoenix was diverted to Tucson, and they were supposed to fly from there, you know, from Phoenix back to L.A., but they were diverted to Tucson, and there were no flights out of Tucson. And this is, uh, like, Tuesday night. Okay, this is early, this is late Tuesday night. And obviously he wants to get there because he's had such, the partnership between a canine officer and his canine partner dog is unlike any other relationship. One could argue because if even if you have a regular partner, once your shift is up, you leave. But a right. canine officer goes home yes. with the police officer that they're partnered up with. Yes. And so he wants to get back to Anaheim, but he's stuck in Tucson. And they're saying, you've got to get back. You know, it, he, we don't know how much time he has left. So what, what he does, Officer Young rents a car and drives Eight hours, 470 miles from Tucson to Anaheim. And he gets to Anaheim at like four in the morning on Wednesday morning. And the the vets there and the techs there, a lot of them stayed off their own time. Because the thing about this dog, the thing about Bruno is when he was shot, it was such a community uh, rallying point, you know, to, to save Bruno and to you know, the well wishes and everything kind of brought the community together in a community that had some issues between the public and the police department. So kind of he was kind of like a a thing that brought the community together. And so a lot of people who were there that morning when Officer Young showed up said that when he walked through the door, um, Bruno 
basically let out this howl like you know oh my god you're here you know and and i know people will say oh you're you're putting human emotions on animals they have them they have emotion they have feelings and there are some people who don't believe that there are some people who believe that you can take a dog from one family and give it to another family and that dog doesn't ever think about the family that it left but if you see videos of people who have lost their pets and two years later find them and you see them reunited you can tell that there's something. They know something. There's something there. So Bruno lets out this howl, and he sits with Bruno, and he's talking to the vets. And it's obvious that it's not a situation that's going to get any better. And he has to make the painful decision that many of us have to make when we have pets to let Bruno go. And there were – he knew he knows that he he can't just, you know – He can't just let him go in the normal way where you're kind of in the vet's office and you do it. And he knows that Bruno's favorite place is in the back of a police car. And so there were some officers from the Anaheim Police Department that were there that had their cruisers there and some of the officers from the canine unit. So what they did was they took Bruno from the gurney and they put him in the back of the police car and they had given him the shot that obviously is going to end his life, you know, very peacefully. And he's laying in the back of the police car when he passes away, which is like Officer Young said it was his favorite place. He loved to go to work. And these dogs love to work. Like they live for it. They live for, you know, finding suspects and doing what they do. And after he passed away, they put an American flag over him. And it was just such a sweet moment. It's such a hard story to read. And I, and I you know, thought about not sharing it, but I, I just had to because I was so invested in this story when this first happened that it's it's only fitting to kind of end it and to kind of, you know, tell the story about how it ended and the love between an, an animal and their human. And whether it's a police dog or, you know, a regular everyday person, that love is there. And some it's I, I bring this up because I, I want to talk about life with dogs or life with any animal. I mean, it could be cat, it could be squirrel, it could be whatever. <laughs> but life squirrel. with dogs, especially and for me, I've owned both dogs and cats. You go into this situation when you adopt a pet or you get a pet or you find a pet, you know going into the situation that at some point you're going to have to say goodbye. At some point, you they don't live as long as we do. I mean, it's just some dogs live 10 years. Some dogs only live six years. Some dogs live 16 years or Buff, like Buffy, who's still going and she's 17. Um, so you never know when they're going to die, but you know that at some point in your life, they're not going to be there. And the first time it happens to you when you first own a pet, it's heartbreaking. And it's not that it's never not heartbreaking, but the first time especially because usually when you, for me, it was when we ha- when uh, I was growing up and we had a German Shepherd and her name was Mei-Chin. And my mom, if you look at pictures of me when I'm a kid, I'm like a toddler. My mom's sticking me like in the backyard on the grass on a towel and there's Machen laying right next to me like watching and protecting me my mom said she could leave me like in the backyard to go inside and and she knew Machen would protect me like if anything ever came around she would bark and warn them she was a very protective dog and so they got she they had gotten her before i was born and i think it was when i was 13 so she was about two years old when I was born. So she was about 15 when I was about 13. And she was real. that's old for a German Shepherd. Um, and it was 
a situation where you know she's getting old and it's my first time kind of dealing with an animal who's getting old and who's been there all my life and I've only ever known her to be in my life and now all of a sudden my mom left one day with her to take her to the vet and she didn't come home. So, and it was heartbreaking to me because I didn't have that opportunity to say goodbye and I think my mom did it in... She didn't do it maliciously. She did it because she thought it would be better for me because she thought it would be better not to have to go through it. And I get that. And I, and I think maybe that was the right thing to do at the time because maybe you don't understand. I mean, I was 13 years old. So you, you understand the fact that they're not, but then you're mad. Like you're mad at your mom for not letting you have that moment. Um, but it was a, you know, it's a hard decision to make for any pet owner when they have to make that decision. I mean, at the time, Machen, who was 13, she really was kind of using the the use of her back legs. And so she couldn't really walk very well. She would have accidents in terms of the bathroom and stuff. So that made it very, very hard. And you have to look at the quality of life of the animal. I think my mom made the right decision at the time. I was just angry with her because she just kind of left and said, oh, we're going, you know, we'll be back. We're going to the vet and just didn't come home with her. Um, and so it was one of those stories where my dad, who loved dogs all of his life, had said, never again, never again. We're never owning another dog whenever because you don't want to go through that pain. Right. Yeah. It's it's because it's heartbreaking. So what does what do my sister and I do about a year and a half later? <laughs> we bring home a puppy, a Labrador, and her name How is How is it that two kids bring home a puppy? Our friend up the street, her dog had puppies. And so we were over there one day and they had just it's like a typical kind of front yard and they the dog just had puppies and the puppies were maybe 8 weeks old, you know, at the time and so they were just out in the front yard in this big cardboard box just to keep the puppies in so that they wouldn't go wandering off. And they were just like typical puppies, just, you know, bouncing around. And we were over there and we saw all the puppies. And my sister said, well, we should take one home. And my friend's like, you guys can have one. You know, she's not selling the puppies. She just happened, you know, the dog happened to have puppies. So they were, family members were slated to take certain puppies, but there were only, there were two left over that did not yet have homes. And if they didn't have homes, they were going to keep them anyway. So we said, let's take this one home. <laughs> and we brought her home, and my dad was so pissed. I bet. I would he lose was, my mind. He was so angry at us. At you guys and not necessarily – because I imagine there's adults who said, yeah, sure, take the dog. Yeah, he was angry at us because he said, I told you I don't want any more animals. And it's not because he hated them. He just didn't want to have to say goodbye to another one. So – he was really super mad. Like I've, I think in my entire life, I've never seen my dad that mad. <laughs> it was just like he was screaming and yelling, mostly at my sister because she was older, so she got the brunt of it. I think she was, she was uh, over. She was twenty one at the time. I think she was still living at home. Yeah, she was twenty one. So mostly at her. And I remember my sister, <laughs> my sister saying, and my sister was crying, and I remember her saying. Fine. My friend said he'll take her, but he's on vacation. He's not going to be back for about a week. And so we got to keep her until then. And my dad was like, fine, and goes and slams the door. And then my sister comes in my room and she goes, after a week, he's not going to want to give her away. (laughs) He's not going to want to let her go. And she was right. Because a week later, my dad had completely fallen in love, and there was no way. And it was a total lie. My sister's friend never was never. Wow. It was just a total lie. We told my dad that years later. And he goes, yeah, I figured. So 
we ended up with uh, this Labrador, and she was a great dog. And the biggest fight my sister and I had was when we were moving from uh, New York to California, and she wanted to keep Amber. And I was like, no, she's not coming with us. And my parents were taking her with us because they were trying to lure my sister to come to California, but she wouldn't go. So we ended up with Amber here. And we had Amber for, oh, God, she was 10 years old when uh, she had, she went in for some basic, you know, uh, like a tooth cleaning, like teeth cleaning. And the vet had seen some very, like, little fatty tumors, not not anything to worry about, but these little fatty tumors that were, you know, on her body and said, well, we'll remove those too while we do the surgery. So we they came out. And she was doing okay. She was a little groggy from the the anesthesia. And we had noticed that the little fatty tumor that was kind of on her tailbone that they forgot to, to remove. And the vet goes, oh, well, let, let's go do that right now. And I, we, it happened so fast, I don't remember what happened. And I guess they just kind of took her in the back and lobbed, her, lobbed it off. And anyway, we bring her home. And a couple of days later, she starts having – she starts acting really, really weird. And she would climb. We had this big, huge um, – a hill in behind our house and she would climb to the top of the hill and she would lay down and she wouldn't come down. And I noticed that she looked really bloated and how old was she? She was 10. Okay. She was 10. So she's young for a Labrador. I mean, she was in great health her entire life and everything. So we kind of lured her down off of the, the hill and she all of a sudden starts going into this seizure. And so my dad and I, my dad and I were home and she just kind of collapsed. And my dad was like, get her in the car, get her in the car. So we lifted her into the back. I remember it was the back of my pickup truck. My dad was driving and I was in the back of the pickup truck with her and it was kind of raining outside. We rushed her to the vet. And by the time we got her to the vet, she had passed away. And it was so traumatic that that situation was so traumatic because there's, it's either very traumatic the way you lose a dog or it's kind of long and, you know, so this was a very traumatic situation. It was basically the vet's fault. They kind of over anesthetized her and had a big, huge fight with this vet for years. I was on a mission to try to get this vet's license taken away because it had happened before that they had over anesthetized animals. And I was really not happy about the whole situation. So that was, you know, another situation where you have this, you know, a kind of a traumatic situation where you lose a pet. Then... A couple of years later, I got my cat, Dakota, and I was allergic to cats all my life, and I found this kitten, and for some reason, I was not allergic to this kitten, and I don't know why. It's the only cat in my life that I've never been allergic to, never had allergic reaction, and so I decided to keep keep him, and I had Dakota for 10 years, and again, it was a situation where he was acting weird one night, and I took him to the vet, and they said, oh, it looks like everything's okay, but let's keep him overnight just to see how everything goes you know, and just to see how he is tomorrow. And I was, you know, I said goodbye to him that night and I, I was driving home. By the time I got home, there was a uh, a message for me on my machine from the vet's office that said she had just, he had just died right after I left, had some kind of heart attack and just died. It was another situation, <laughs> you know, and it was a few years, every, and every single time I've ever had a pet, every, after they die, I always say the same thing, just like my dad, I'm never going to do it again, I'm never going to do it again, because it just rips your heart out, totally rips your heart out. And then I got Princess. And I know that Princess is not going to live forever. I know, you know, I have all my dogs have kind of, except for Mage and my last two dogs, Amber and my, my cat, 
Dakota had died around when they were 10. So I'm always fearful of the year 10 because I think something's going to happen. So I know Princess is not going to live forever. I know Buffy's not going to live forever. I know Roxy's not going to live forever. And so I know what's coming. And despite all of that, I keep going through this entire situation because of what I think they bring to your life. And I know you, we were talking not too long ago about your dog who had passed away. And that prior to that, you were kind of, you know, not insensitive to animals passing away. but Borderline, just, yeah. You, but you were a little more, oh, okay, you know, dog died. No, a, I, I saw it very much as a, a fact of life. And yeah. I think the easiest way to say it is that if you would have told me that I would have an emotional response to an animal dying... Uh, you wouldn't have believed it. I would have said, oh, no, not me. Until? Until our dog, Rocky. He's the first dog that we got when we moved out to get, moved in together. My wife and I bought a house, and we'd been living there for a while. I got a little puppy from the uh, pound or whatever. And he was just, he was an annoying hound dog, <laughs> pan, pansy. But there was something about the fact that after he passed away and I was by my, I was fine dealing with the kids and right. explaining with him. And then I got him in the car and drove him to get cremated. And you just lost it. Like a blubbering idiot. <laughs> oh, it was laughably. And my favorite part is I called to leave a message with the the crematorium or whatever. And then, you know, how when your phone stops, right. it'll play a song. Right. Mine was, ooh, child, things, things are going to get easy. <laughs> no exaggeration. I am not. I, it was dangerous for me to be on the freeway. The amount of blubbering I was doing, and then afterwards, I don't know what playlist I had that made me want to drive into an embankment on the freeway. But it was like, smile, though your heart is. <laughs> it's but it's so true. But see, now you felt it. Like oh, now you yeah. now you get and it. I realized like. Not only was it a companionship, but one of the things about that dog that had me so upset is that I it took me losing him to realize what he had done. He was a perfect dog for my kids. Right. Never would have hurt any of them. He was big enough and scary enough that anybody that ever came near the house when I was gone on the road doing stand-up, he would just bellow and right. people would stay away. He kept my family safe so many times without me even, nothing really happened. Right. But he made them feel safe, even though anybody who came to the house went, ah! He would poop and pee <laughs> everywhere. And that would be his only defense. But yeah. But you see, me. you get it. You yeah, get oh, it yeah. now. And that's why. I don't mock anymore. Let's put I it don't understand. And handles like this, because he'll mock. Oh, you're putting human emotions on animals. And he, I, he's had dogs before, but he still doesn't get it. Like he just, when he talks about one of his dogs dying, is basically, you know, I'm going to put him in the freezer or whatever. He's not half joking about that. I mean, he would, he really kind of has a laissez faire. But attitude. has he gone through the time of having a dog from beginning all the I way to death? I think so. I think, I think his, the one Shih Tzu that he had was like that. He had that dog for a really long time. And he still, and so it makes me angry when he, when he you can tell That's how angry That's why, though, it makes right? Me. You know him well enough to know. I think it, I too. Just, and I sometimes I think he's doing it just to yes. pick at me. Like he's doing it to get a reaction out of me because he knows he's going to get a reaction out and of me. And he likes to get reactions. But I don't understand people in general who think that animals have no feelings. And there are people out there, and people, and when I say that, people go, oh, there's nobody out there that thinks animals have no feelings. There are. There are people out there who don't believe that animals have feelings. There are people out there who think that animals don't have souls or whatever. It the, and it makes me I wouldn't so, say so no I'm kidding. It, it makes me so so angry because 
if you interact with animals on an on any kind of a basis, especially animals that have been in abusive situations or have been been in situations where they've been in puppy mills or or whatnot, you can feel it, you can see it, you can. Oh, well, it's like all the Michael Vick dogs. Like everybody, you know, pit bulls have such a bad rap, but the dogs that were rescued from you know Michael Vick in that situation, I think. Almost all of those dogs were rehabilitated by Best Friends Animal Sanctuary, and they were either placed in homes or they stayed in the sanctuary until they passed away. So it's not – they're not inherently bad. Like, pit bulls aren't inherently bad dogs. I could never own a pit bull because I don't think I would ever feel comfortable enough around a pit bull, and that's my problem because I just – there's been so much that has been, you know – that I that I'm fearful of, and, and animals can sense fear. It's like they say when you go ride horses, you don't want to show your fear yeah. because they can sense it. So for me, I could never own a pit bull, even though I know so many pit bulls that are so sweet. And I just there's something about I just can't do it. That's just not for me. I'm glad that there are people out there who can take care of a pit friend bulls. of mine from uh, my kid's school. They found they rescued a pit bull that was incredibly abused, and she showed me pictures of this dog. Sat, disgusting. It's just horrific. And I and I I had my first response was because she's got a little like a three year old and he's a rascal of a kid. Like right. he comes up, he'll, he'll punch pull an adult and like pull the ears. But this and dog, tail. they're all running around, they're petting it. He's getting in the dog's face, and it's it's a very weird thing to see. But this massive because now the dog's had a good diet, right? So the musculature is built into this dog, and and she's just totally cool. It's all in how they're raised. It's all yeah. in there's. I don't believe there is a bad dog. I think it's all in how they're raised or how they're treated. And so the story about Bruno resonated with me so much because it's getting so much attention on social media and in the in the news. And some people are like, well, why are they paying so much attention to the dog? You have, I mean, reading the story, it's, it's like reading the story about what Officer Young did to get to Bruno before Bruno died and, and all of the stuff before that. It's just it just reeks of pure love to me and that to me is what an animal can give you and sometimes like you said you don't really know sometimes what an animal brings to your life until they're gone i when when dakota my cat died i was inconsolable i took days off work because i was inconsolable i couldn't it, it happened so fast it was such a tragic thing my husband uh who wasn't my husband at the time but he was my boyfriend sinner um he he basically I had to, he had to get rid of everything cat related (laughs) because I couldn't look at it. I couldn't, I, it was just, and I don't have children and maybe that's part of it. Maybe people say, you know, you don't have kids and, and kid, you know, human kids are different than animal kids. And, you know, it just, maybe that's part of it. Maybe I put all of that mothering instinct on an animal. So what if you do? Yeah, that's just the way I am. And so the reason why I bring this whole thing up is because it reminds me of, Something I saw online many years ago that talks about how people should live and how you should live life like a dog. And so now that I fully depressed all of you and told you Bruno's story and all the stories about the animals in my life who have died. And listen, I'm still dealing with this situation right now. I've got Buffy, who's 17 years old, and I know I get up every single morning and and I hope that she's still breathing but I have that moment every single morning where I see her in her bed and I'm not sure if she's breathing or not. Now, I do. I hope that if she passes away, that it's very peaceful and that she'll pass away in her sleep and I'll wake up one day and she won't wake up. I mean, I hope I don't have to make the decision to take her and put her down because that I, 
I can't. That that's a hard thing to do. But if you do it, the the act of doing that for your pet and being there with your pet is a whole nother thing. You know, it's it's just a whole nother uh, branch of love and connection that you have with this animal. If you're if you're there at the moment that things are happening, like Officer Young was there when they put Bruno down. Um, I hope I don't have to make that decision. Everybody hopes that when their dog gets old that they'll lie in front of the fire and die. I have a friend who lives in Kansas who had a 16-year-old golden retriever, and she lives on a gigantic farm, right? And her dog one day just walked away and never came home. And they say in the wild that's what they do. You know, they just they just leave the pack and they just don't come back. They go somewhere and they lay down. But I can't imagine having that moment of not knowing where where they are and 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 just and for a human it's, yeah. it's like we don't want you to be by yourself. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? like, yeah, but for them that that's the way they do things in the wild. I'm going to say something uh, because you said I don't know why I am that way when you talked about how it it, it bothers you right. when uh, when the cat died. I'm sure the people who listen to this podcast may already know, and if you don't know this, I think you should know this from my limited experience here at the station. Is that I think it's because you, Michelle, are a caregiver. Yes. That's your thing. You you live not necessarily for the sake of other people. It's not a martyr thing, but you live to take care and help other people. Yeah, I mean, let's, that would be pretty accurate. Let's look at handle. That's I true. mean, your entire job <laughs> is, is care taking of care of a grown oh. ass man uh, who. It, it, Here's the thing. Again, not to paint him in a negative light, but it's a lot of like it's a lot of babysitting. We've told stories. You can't True, yes. hand him a piece of paper and without let it go it, without yes. it being gone. Mm-hmm. Or you know what I mean? The the calendar that you make for your husband for the meals, <laughs> the fact that you feed Buffy <laughs> with chopsticks or it's eggs or it's Chinese food. I don't even know. I'm forgetting all of the menu options Spaghetti. and everything like that. And so you are a very uh, big hearted, giving person. And so therefore, when uh, this is this is a horrible analogy. But but this is what I was going to say is that these animals, these people are kind of like little buckets that you put your love in. True, yes. And that's that's kind of your purpose. And yes. I feel like when that when that person isn't there, there is no – Michelle does things for shows that she's not even in charge of here at the station. Like you'll shoot an email and go, oh, hey, this might be good for you guys. Right. Or, hey, I had this idea, that kind of stuff. So that's my interpretation. I would say that that's pretty accurate. I yeah. am a – I am I'm not a, I'm not a people pleaser, but I am a caregiver. Exactly. Because well I, I am very, yes, I, I like to take care of things. And my husband's constantly telling me, sometimes when he's telling me of an issue or a problem and I'm trying to fix it, as he's telling me, he's like, no, no, I don't need you. I just need you to hear me and let me vent. Shh. I don't need you to fix it. Because I'm always trying to fix anything. Okay, if I so- was your husband, I would just ask for Sammy's all the time. <laughs> you know what makes me feel better is the Sammy. A Sammy, a, a boy's cheese sandwich. <laughs> So anyway, uh, so the whole reason that I want to kind of you know, wrap this up with a, a little more of a fun and a positive note, which is how to live life like a dog. And here, here's all. And you, you, when you go through these, they absolutely make sense. You think you might think it's a stupid premise, but it absolutely makes sense. So how to live life like a dog. When loved ones come home, always run to greet them, which makes sense, right? Never pass up the opportunity to go for a joyride. Allow the simple things, fresh air, and the wind in your face to be pure ecstasy. <laughs> I thought you were going to cry there. No, I, was, I laughed. 
When it's in your best interest, practice obedience. Let others know when they've invaded your territory. Take naps <laughs> and stretch before rising, which is absolutely a great thing to do. Run, romp, and play daily. Thrive on attention and let people touch you. Avoid yeah. biting when a simple growl will do. On warm days, stop to lie on your back on the grass, which is awesome. If you ever do, like, if you're, if you're ever busy and stressed out and you just happen to be, like, in a park... If, when you do that just for five minutes, it's it's a huge – it makes a huge difference in your life. Like it's crazy. It kind of stops everything, right? On hot days, drink lots of water and lay under a shady tree. When you're happy, dance around and wag your entire body. That's like you. You do that. How dare you. Sometimes like in your dub smashes. <laughs> Delight in the simple joy of a long walk, which is another one of those things that you don't appreciate until you focus on it. You leave your phone at home and you go for a walk. It's amazing how much of a difference it can make in your life. Eat with gusto and enthusiasm. <laughs> That's a good one. Stop when you've had enough. Be loyal. Never pretend to be something you're not. And that's definitely a dog trait. They're, they're not apologetic. for what I want this and I want it now. I want a belly rub. I want food. That's exactly how they are. Can't wait to go home and show my wife this list. If what you want lies buried, dig until you find it. So don't let things lie. Get it all out in the open, right? And the last one is when someone's having a bad day, be silent, sit close by, and nuzzle them gently. That's how to live life like a dog. All of those things make total sense, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Now, there's only eight lessons on how to live life like a cat. So I'm going to give you those two for the cat people out there. Lesson number one, never underestimate the value of a good nap. Cats are the best nappers ever. My cat, Dakota, I think he slept like 20 hours a day. He was the best. He'd sleep everywhere. I had a cat when I was a kid, and I would drive my remote control car into it. Not hard, but I'd drive it up to it while he was all sprawled out in the sun next to it, and he wouldn't move. It just, they just, just don't. Boom, boom. Lesson number two, attitude is everything. The cats have great attitudes. Lesson number three, groom well, because nobody likes somebody who's not well groomed. <laughs> Lesson four, let others, let others know what feels good and what doesn't. And that is totally a cat. Because if you, sometimes you'll, you'll know that your cat likes it when you scratch them kind of by the tail. And they're like, oh, and they lift their little hind quarters and they're like, oh, I love it. And then other times that they don't want to be scratched there, they'll just turn around and whack you. Yeah. <laughs> really quick. Um, lesson number, let's see, lesson number five, which is catnip can make you do foolish things, which is just a cat thing. So. <laughs> is that like drugs? Oh my God. You, when you had a cat, you never gave it catnip? No, I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's yeah. their metaphor. Or, I'm assuming so. Analogy. Catnip used to make Dakota really crazy, like really, really crazy. It was scary crazy. It yeah, it's, really I get, we had a little toy that was a mouse that had catnip in it yeah. when we had a cat and it was like cracked. Like today. crazy eyes. Oh yeah. my God. Uh, lesson number six, have a mind of your own, which cats definitely do. You cannot get a cat to do it. Cats own their humans. Like that's their, their attitude is they them. own you. Yeah. You don't own them. Dogs are like, where are we going? What are we doing? Tell me. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what's going on. Lesson number seven, this is definitely a great trait of cats. Never settle for less than you deserve. Because cats always feel like they're the queens and the kings. They're like, we're in charge. We deserve this. And then lesson number eight, which is the best one, live life like you're on your ninth life. Hmm. So it's live every day to the fullest. That's exactly how it, So that's what it's like to live like a cat and live like a dog. 
And that's I just thought this was all awesome. That's why I wanted to do a little podcast about it based on the story of Bruno, which broke my heart this week. But, you know, we all go through it as animal owners. We all feel it. We all feel for each other when we're going through these things. And I made, you know, I was telling Gary Hoffman, if you listen back, he told the story of Bruno on the air the other day. And I told him, I said, you're going to cry because Gary never cries. You're going to cry. I know you're going to cry. Well, even I said, just telling the story. Oh, I see. Okay. And I said, think if it was Fergus. He's like, I'm not going to cry. I'm like, yes, you are. And I heard him do the story, and I know I could hear it in his voice. Got a little choked. He was getting choked up because of Bruno and Officer Young. It's such a great story, and it's it's sad to see how it ends. But Officer Bruno did so many great things. I just really, really admire any cop, especially canine officers. And their partners, it there, it's just a relationship like like nobody else. And I sort of wish, like I almost wish, God, I wish Tim was a cop. I wish he was a canine cop. We can have a big German Shepherd. <laughs> then we'd have big dog, little dog. <laughs> I almost wish you were a cop, Tim. I almost wish you were a cop. Anyway, that's all I got for this week. It's all about dogs. Like I said, you just got to deal with it. If you listen to the whole podcast, thank you. And I promise next week it'll be a little more fun. I'll make more fun of Justin next week. Oh, by the way, so I'm going to make Justin do the pony dance from Magic Mike so we can do a side-by-side I have not seen this movie as many times as you have. I don't – I was kidding. I'll buy it for you. I thank you. I'll buy it on DVD. That's not my point. My point is I don't think my body is capable of gyrating in the fashions that I remember. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be because it would be even funnier if it doesn't. Oh, thanks. It would. Did you see? I I gave you the link to that Australian chick who tries to imitate celebrity Instagram photos. She doesn't try. She crushes it. It's hilarious. Oh, my God. you got to see it. I'll have to put the link on my uh, blog page. Go to KFIM640.com, keyword producer Michelle, for some information. I'll put that... uh, Australian comedian link. There'll be stuff about Bruno up there too, because they're going to have a funeral for him. It's going to be like, oh, it's going to be amazing. It's it really is. It's going to be really amazing, and Handel's not going to be able to take it. He's going to be like, all of this for a dog, yes, <laughs> for Officer Bruno, all of that. So, go to kfim640.com keyword producer Michelle and podcast. Justin, you got a podcast coming out on Monday, right? Yep, dadpodcast.com for info on that. Did another another episode with my wife where she had an idea for a segment and it's the inappropriateness of some of like the nursery rhymes. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Remember the one I've taking home my baby Bumblebee. We broke that one down. And then there's another one of I never heard this about the wiener man. The wiener man. Why would you make a song for children called the wiener man? Yeah, it's horrible. I'm going to have to listen to that because I don't know that one. It's horrible. I know the Bumblebee one. Yeah. And, there, and then she one? taught me the extra lyrics. I guess there's bonus lyrics to the Bumblebee song. Really? Where you, you lick up the baby Bumblebee after you do the serial killer-esque smashing of it. And then oh. once you've licked it up, you also then vomit it up. And then you mop up said vomit. Oh, my God. I'm gonna, I don't know those extra lyrics. I'm going to have to listen and to And she that. said it. She just started whipping them out. Like they were uh, a Backstreet Boys song. Or... Did she sing these to your kids? No, she. Well, she bought. I, this is what's wrong with my wife. She, they go on a road trip and she buys like fifty uh, silly songs for them to listen oh, to. Oh, got it. And I was like, they just like music. Just put on the freaking radio. 
But she wanted them to have it. So it's, there's good ones. I don't know why I thought there's good ones, but down by the bay right. where the water there's that those are in there. Right. But then there's also the Wiener Man, which is super creepy. The Wiener Man. But the Bumblebee one, when she's the, the girl was smashing the baby Bumblebee, my seven year old was like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> Clutched his pearls. <laughs> he clutched his pearls. So that's at the dadpodcast.com. Yep. That'll be out on Monday, right? Yep. And then uh, you can follow Justin at KFI Justin on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Prod Michelle and Princess on Instagram. <laughs> and Buffy and Roxy are on the same Instagram at PGK the Chi. And listen, as always, I want you to remember one thing You is smart. You is kind. You is important. important. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> See you next week, people.